Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 17th of October, 2020. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You may have heard that. You may have said that on the playground as a child. But whether you heard it or whether you said it, it was and it is a lie. The whole idea that words will never hurt us is simply untrue. In fact, words can be very hurtful. Words can be very, very powerful. And you think of things in this world that can be powerful and can be used for good. Uh, You think of something like dynamite. Uh, It's used in a lot of good ways. There's a lot of construction and building of roads and things like that that would not have been able to happen without the explosive force of dynamite. But it is also something that can be incredibly destructive if not handled with the utmost care. And so that's why we come today to think about our words, something that, yes, they they can be powerful and be used for good, but they are also can be incredibly dangerous and must be handled with care. And we see many images to describe this in James chapter three, verses one through 12, James chapter three, verses one through 12. And it starts off with a warning to teachers. Uh, That not many should become teachers, for we will be judged with greater strictness. And then it talks about one way that we all struggle, and that is with our words. And it talks about, you know, the the bits that you put in a horse's mouth or the, the ships, you know, massive ships that are controlled by a small rudder, and that is the tongue. And in the middle of verse five, it says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And that, I mean, we want to talk about being ripped from the headlines. We've here in Idaho, at least, many times over the past couple months, we have not even been able to look out and see the mountains because of smoke coming in from fires, many of them on the in the West Coast. And we see how such a great fire can start. And we see sometimes the ways these fires start, it seems like something small. It's, you know, the explosive from somebody's gender reveal party for their baby starts a massive fire. We see how destructive these fires can be and how small the spark can be that starts them. And verse six says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We have to realize um, our tongues can be dangerous things. And you, you think if you owned dynamite or you think of people that might own firearms, many times those are kept in a, in a safe because of their potentially destructive nature. Well, our tongue sits right there in our mouth all day. And we need to be aware of the damage and destruction that can be caused by our own tongues. And not one of us uh, right now that is listening to this podcast is immune or exempt from having to think about this. So I want you to consider the power and the potential danger of your 
tongue today. And even I'd like to encourage you one specific way. I remember I had an awesome experience as a senior in college at a home Bible study leading one of the small groups, and I had a co-leader named Burton. Now, I was a senior in college. Burton was very much not a senior in college. He was a senior in life. In fact, I was attending a church that had just celebrated its 50th anniversary as a church, and Burton was one of the founding members of the church. So he had been there from day one. He was a part of this Bible study, and I was co-leading a small group with him. So I kind of felt like my role in the small group was simply to bring up all the questions and direct them to Burton so we could glean from his wisdom and his knowledge. And I remember one night I taught actually at the Bible study on James chapter three, verses one through 12. And then we're in our small group time discussing it at the end of our Bible study that night. It was a large home Bible study. And Burton just encouraged all of us to think about so many times, most often, the people that are hurt most by our words are the people closest to us. And so that's where I would really encourage you to to think clearer today. Who are the closest people in your life? And for many of us that you think of the people that live in the same place as you might be parents, uh, might be a spouse, kids, uh, roommates, whatever it might be, those are the people that can be most effective in a negative way with our words. And you think even that those also might be some of the people that we let our guard down the most with our words. You think of at work with your boss, that you might have your guard up. You might be, man, I'm gonna watch what comes out of my mouth right now because I wanna make a good impression towards the boss. When we think about the people that we rub shoulders with every day, we start to maybe get less cautious. So I wanna encourage you today to think about your words around the people that are closest to you. Consider the potential danger and seek help from God. And really we see at the end here, our words flow from our hearts. Ask God to give you the right heart for the people around you that you would not creep into selfishness, but love the people around you. And that that might be reflected in your words. Our tongues are powerful and potentially dangerous. So let's examine, let's be careful, let's set up a guard over um, the words of our mouth so that we might uh, love and be faithful to those around us. When we think about the danger potentially of our own words, we're also reminded of the beauty of God's word today as we look at Psalm 119 verses 41 to 48. Psalm 119 verses 41 to 48. And here, there's some things in here that that strike me when I read it. When it says um, in verse 43, and take not the word, so here we're talking about words again, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. It's not unfamiliar for us to think about our hope being in God in some way, but it probably is uncommon for us to say, my hope is in your rules. Why would he say something like that? Well, look at the next couple of verses. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. And so the idea is that in God's rules, there is safety. And you see that when he talks about, I will walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts, that God's rules, God's precepts are there, not just because 
God is the, you know, uptight grump. No, they are for our good. And when we listen to God's rules, when we seek to walk in his precepts, that will help keep us safe from so much destruction and pain in our lives. So that even connects nicely with thinking about our words. God wants us to watch our words, not because he's just unnecessarily strict, but because he loves us and he wants to protect us. And when we see God and his rules and we seek to use our words in the ways that God has uh, prescribed for us to use our words, what we'll find in that is safety. We will walk in a wide place when we follow God's word and watch carefully our own words. Now we, we look again at the prophet Jeremiah today and we look at Proverbs 8, or sorry, Jeremiah 18 through 20. And, and chapter 18 tells kind of the familiar story of the potter and the clay. And we need to dig a little deeper into this because we've kind of come to be familiar with this potter and clay analogy, just to acknowledge, hey, God, you're the potter, I'm the clay, you can do whatever you want with me, and I trust that you know what you're doing. And all of that is true. Um, God is the potter, we are the clay, we can trust that he knows what he is doing. But many times we just kind of take that those principles and put them into our own lives when we miss some of the context here that the point of this was not, hey, you know, God's the potter, you're the clay, trust what he's doing is right necessarily, It is a picture of judgment that the potter has the right to, you know, destroy the the pot or the the clay that, that is not doing what it is supposed to do, not doing what he intended for it to do. And even you go to the next chapter and he's going back to the potter and he's buying an earthenware flask and he is, he is shattering it and he's prophesying disaster. So note here, the message is still one of judgment here in Jeremiah. And that's what we've been seeing a lot of. And and the potter and the clay and the broken flask, these are, again, pictures of judgment. And and finally, now, uh, we are going to see in chapter 20, Jeremiah begins to be persecuted. And this won't be the end of Jeremiah's persecution, but he gets persecuted here and he is uh, we see God, though, is watching. God is in control. And we're going to see more of this as the as the prophet Jeremiah, as this book continues to unfold in front of us. Uh, finally, we see the example, again, of John the Baptist in the Gospel of John. John chapter 3, verses 22 to 36. And this was one of the most personally impactful things from reading this morning, seeing this uh, example. And John the Baptist here shows us the absolute opposite of entitlement. There's kind of a context of competition that's coming up here in this uh, in this passage in, in John chapter three because they're saying, "Hey, have you noticed that this Jesus now he's baptizing more than you? Everybody's going to to him." And in verse twenty seven, John says something amazing: a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Wow. John realizes there is no competition uh, because it's not about me. And the ministry I was able to do, that was a gift from God. It wasn't something I was entitled to. And he goes on and the punchline of what he says there is, he must increase, 
but I must decrease. Is that the way you're thinking today? As you think about whatever ministry God has given you, maybe you're serving in kids ministry or you're even, you're an usher in the church or you're leading a life group or uh, someone like me, a, a pastor, whatever role of service do we have? Do we look at that and say, that's not mine. That, 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 I didn't earn that. I, I couldn't do any of that unless it was given to me from God. So when challenges arise in that, it's not about me. It's always about him. He must increase and I must decrease. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.